And good morning to the rest of the world as well. You are listening to... Word Vomit! Here on RadioIdlewild.org. We are your hosts. I'm Nathan Desjarnet. And my name is Puke. And as always, there's always uh, a lot to talk about, so I suppose uh, we should dive right in. Gentlemen, start your engines! So what do you have to start with today? Well, you know, uh, from, from what I hear... Uh, Ryan Newman, the uh, the driver at the Daytona 500 that had that horrific crash, uh, he's apparently awake and speaking, um, so he's uh, things are looking up for him. That's good. Uh, I I actually did not watch that at the time. I heard about it afterwards. So I'm not really like a like a NASCAR guy, but uh, you know, big uh, I guess thoughts and prayers to uh, to him Absolutely. and the family and all that. And, yeah. It's uh, you know, it's, a, it's still a dangerous sport. It definitely is, and you know, I think a lot of people forget that. Oh, all you do is make left turns, left turns. Oh, a little more than that. Right. Speaking of left turns, it seems that that was all that Trump was doing that day. Yeah. And it's interesting because I think he does these things intentionally just to piss off the left. Basically, I mean, that's that's pretty much his mo. That's what people like about him. Oh yeah, and he's really good at it. Is the worst part. Yeah. Yeah. Really good at uh, owning the libs and drinking those tears. Well, should we get right into the newest Trump debacles? Yeah, might as well. So, <laughs> I suppose the most recent one and biggest one is all the clemencies and uh, sentencing, uh, pardoning, I suppose I yeah. should say, that he's done. Um, it was a whole slew of uh, white-collar workers, people with felonies, bribery charges, all kinds of stuff. I got a clip that kind of sums it up, so I'll play that real quick. President Trump tonight flexing his presidential muscle, releasing Rob Blagojevich from prison four years before the disgraced Illinois governor was expected to go free. He'll be able to go back home with his family after serving eight years in jail. That was a tremendously powerful ridiculous sentence in my opinion. Blagojevich was convicted in 2011, caught on tape trying to sell Barack Obama's vacated Senate seat. I've got this thing and it's and I'm just not giving it up for nothing. And was also a former contestant on Celebrity Apprentice. I have great respect for your tenacity, for the fact that you just don't give up. But Rod, you're fired. Good morning, Mr. Milken. Also pardoned today, Michael Milken, the former Wall Street titan and so-called junk bond king, who became the face of insider trading in the 1980s. He suffered greatly. He paid a big price, paid a very tough price. But he's done an incredible job. One of Milken's biggest advocates throwing the president a $580,000 per couple dinner last weekend. Among those granted clemency today, former New York City Police Commissioner Bernie Carrick, convicted of tax fraud and lying to the government. And Eddie DeBartolo Jr., the former San Francisco 49ers owner, who pleaded guilty following his failure to report a bribe. Several former NFL greats today celebrating his pardon. You know, I take my hat off to Donald Trump for what he did. So, yeah, all of his favorite people. You yeah, know. people that have been on his show, for example, as they were saying in the clip, it's uh, people who has been in his life or, I suppose, career path for a long time. Frauds and cheaters and liars and all of his, all of his buddies. Law <laughs> and order. Yeah, yeah, he's the law and order president. That's <laughs> that's for sure. I think he's just sending a message out. Well, one, I think that he's trying to like do as much of this stuff as he can knowing that you know it being an election year and probably wondering how long he's gonna be able to dodge all this stuff he's probably thinking that they're gonna maybe get him eventually who knows so he's gonna try and pardon as many people as he can before that happens or hope that like mike pence will pardon him when he gets <laughs> right like actually that impeached for real maybe certainly or, an interesting thoughts but what i've taken from it myself is more that He's doing it on purpose to try to get impeached again, um, saying, oh, the Democrats are doing articles of impeachment after articles of impeachment. They have no evidence, this and that, just kind of like uh, whipsawing them, so to say, back and right. forth on, on what he's doing. So I know a lot of people get or won't give him the benefit of the doubt to say that he's that calculated to, to do, I suppose, long-term chess game like that. Um, right. But I don't know. I, I think that's part of his intention of his reelection strategy is 
to demonize the left so much that they the entire party looks like they're just this fringe of what they used to be. Yeah, and sort of taking advantage over the fact that everybody's just crying afoul of like every single thing that he does. Every time he opens his mouth, every time he does anything, people are like always, you know, out there bitching about it. So it's like he can slip in whatever he wants and get away with whatever he wants in the meanwhile. in his presidential power. Yeah. So it's just one more thing that somebody's complaining about, no matter, like, the the scale of importance isn't really a thing anymore, you know? Like, and the whole thing with, uh, with the attorney general and, like, you know, trying to commute Roger Stone's sentence and all this stuff, like... Again, it's something that like that's wrong that people on both sides of the aisle are saying he shouldn't be doing, but it's one of those things that people don't really understand. Like it's that gray area, you know, is it a crime? Is it this? Sure, it's unprecedented. Everything that he does is unprecedented. Yeah. And unprecedented. Well, <laughs> I mean he is president, so no matter what he does, it's president. Right. It's it's presidented, <laughs> but not precedented. Um, yeah, it's interesting that uh all this is going on at the same time, like you said, is the the Roger Stone situation, and uh, even Barr was a little upset. I've got. Uh, Do you think he was really upset, though? You know, it's a, it's interesting in this clip that uh, he was interviewed by the M5M. It's like a, you know, I'll just play it. All of it coming just two days before the president's friend Roger Stone is set to be sentenced, amid fierce criticism of President Trump for intervening in Justice Department criminal cases. The president tonight acknowledging Attorney General William Barr's complaint that he's making it impossible for him to do his job. I do make his job harder. I do agree with that. I think that's true. He's a very straight shooter. But on Stone, he insists, so far, no decision. I haven't given it any thought, but I think he's been treated very unfairly. You know, and there Trump's basically saying that uh, he has not said anything one way or the other to his Justice Department on what he thinks of Trump's of excuse me stone's sentencing um basically he says that he agrees with what Barr is saying that yeah i'm pretty hard on him um so it's it's an interesting yeah. take on at least on trump's side and then that makes me think that it's kind of scripted right and then on Barr's side it's it's a similar story but he also mentions his distrust in people in general more that he's his own person and what he believes is right and wrong and that governing bodies don't attorney change general that. william barr delivering an unusual public rebuke of president trump i have a problem uh with some of some of the the tweets a rare showing of disapproval from one of the president's most loyal cabinet members i'm not going to be bullied or influenced by anybody and i said at the time whether it's congress newspaper editorial boards or the president i'm going to do what i think is right and uh you know uh the i think the the i cannot do my job here at the department uh with a constant background commentary that that undercuts me Barr's criticism coming as the Justice Department is under extreme scrutiny after he intervened to reduce the recommended sentence of longtime Trump associate Roger Stone. Did you talk to the president at all about your decision regarding the recommendations? The recommendations on the, this case? Never. Anybody from the White House call you to try to influence you? No. Nope. But Barr admitting Trump's Tuesday tweet calling Stone's sentencing recommendation a miscarriage of justice, well, it did force him to reevaluate his next moves. Once the tweet occurred, the question is, well, uh, now what do I do? And uh, do you go forward with what you think is the right decision or do you pull back because of the tweet? And that just sort of illustrates how disruptive these tweets can be. And he decided to pull back. It was what he shouldn't have done. He's saying that he's not going to be bullied by anybody, but then he turns around and just says right off, like, yeah, yeah, am I going to do this or am I going to do this? And it's clear that he did one instead of the other. So he was manipulated, if not bullied. Uh, definitely. And I think that's uh, the reason of his dismay is that he feels that the president is publicly forcing um the hands of his team to, to do things and whether he's doing that willingly or not, I'm not sure. Um, it might've just been a, a, you know, free moment to, Oh, I'm going to text about this and, uh, you know, piss off the media real quick. Right. And at the same time now bar is like, oh, well, what do I do now? You know, you put me in this situation. It's like, 
Now I have to make changes in my train of thoughts. Now my train of thought is not the same as it was when I first did the uh, sentence lightning recommendation. Because of a tweet? Right. Like, come on, man. Like, just stay off Twitter while you're working. How about that? (laughs) What the hell? Twitter covers the whole news. Yeah. Which is insane. Absolutely. Um... I Although uh, Jack Dorsey from uh, from Twitter, he endorsed uh, your girl Tulsi. That makes sense, but I don't know why if he's so about you know kind of that type of thinking of moderate Democrats. Why he's so against the free speech? The way that how Zuckerberg is basically saying, "Yeah, whatever floats goes." Yeah, you know. Yeah. And they're banning, uh, for example, Zero Hedge um, was banned off Twitter. Uh, a bunch of other people were deplatformed because of the uh, um, coronavirus specifically. Uh, they posted some things on that, uh, which right. I suppose we could touch on that later. Um, yeah, he's sort of doing what Zuckerberg refuses to do. Right. Well, I don't know. I, I agree with Zuckerberg and his stance on it's information, it's an outlet people have the right to post what they want on that outlet, whether it's right or wrong or what have you. I I guess so. So I agree with him on that. It's Um, the Wild West. (laughs) Yeah, right? It's a free speech platform. That's that's how it should be. Yeah, but you don't want Facebook to turn into, like, 4chan. No, I don't think it'll get that extreme either. Eh. Or 8chan, even worse. Right. Hate chan. (laughs) Right. Well, I don't know. Have been have there been Facebook live streams of uh, these shootings and stuff, or are they just doing sticking to uh, 4chan and 8chan and all that? Well, there was a couple um, that went through, but it, it hasn't hit mainstream news in the last I don't know year or so since I've seen anything. You know, right. There's always one or two that pop up, but I think that purposefully they're not reporting on it as much as as they could be just because they don't want to encourage any copycat type of you know situations with that right i wonder if uh you know because you know facebook's gonna have skin in the game as far as the who they want the democratic nominee to be and all of that stuff and people that they they support i wouldn't be surprised if it came out that the only stuff that they're silencing is possibly the Bernie stuff, like everybody else. It could be. Usually it's... Uh, or at least putting their thumb on the scale a little bit, you know? Yeah, so yeah, I mean, you know, I, I forget the name of the article I was reading on it, but they did uh, this whole Google thing where basically the people who design these algorithms unintentionally with their bias... Uh, changes the scale you know with their thumb on the scale as you were saying right whether or not they intend to or not so their unintentional bias is programmed because that's you know how they pro- how they think their thought process um but speaking of the democratic debates it looks like bloomberg is going to be on the debate stage uh, <laughs> later today yeah so that'll be quite interesting to, to see that dynamic oh yeah I'm, it's gonna be uh i think it's gonna get messy there's going to be a lot of really angry people, and I'm sure they're going to go after him. And knowing how good his comebacks are with Trump, uh, I imagine he's probably going to have some standout moments for sure. I mean, he's been training for it. So let's take a listen on the mainstream synopsis on, on what's going on with that. Tomorrow night in Las Vegas, Michael Bloomberg hoping the odds will be in his favor as he makes his debate debut after qualifying by surging in recent polls, including our new NBC News Wall Street Journal poll, which shows Senator Bernie Sanders now the sole Democratic frontrunner nationwide at 27 percent, Joe Biden second at 15 percent, Bloomberg now in third place, tied with Senator Elizabeth Warren at 14 percent, followed by former South Bend, Indiana Mayor Pete Buttigieg and Senator Amy Klobuchar. Democratic candidates have been blasting Bloomberg for spending a stunning $381 million of his own money on ads to boost his poll numbers and the controversial past NYPD police tactic of stop and frisk, for which he recently apologized. Buttigieg saying Bloomberg will face tough questions. What specifically do you think Michael Bloomberg has to answer for on the debate stage? Well, I think he has to answer for his treatment of others, uh, for his language and above all for an attitude that uh, seems to dismiss the humanity of a lot of people. Our poll also shows five Democratic candidates beating President Trump head to head, but the president's approval rating has climbed to 47 percent, tied for his highest ever in our poll. So uh, I've got that poll actually 
and I'm looking at all the all the different numbers and things here. And it's actually really interesting. I've never never looked at one of these quite like this before. And this is the uh, NBC Wall Street Journal poll. So the question, the uh, the part of the poll that they're talking about there. Um, so they they basically ask. Uh, so now thinking specifically about the twenty twenty Democratic primary elections, I'm going to give you a list of eight of the declared candidates running for the Democratic nomination for president. And then after we read the list, they they give who they uh, if the election were being held today, who would be your favorite? And uh, Bernie got twenty seven. Joe Biden in second place with 15, and then Michael Bloomberg with 14, tied with Elizabeth Warren there. But then they also ask about uh, who would be your second choice, and that has Bernie Sanders again at the top with 19, but then Pete Buttigieg and Elizabeth Warren tied at 17, Uh, Amy Klobuchar right behind that with 15, then Biden and Bloomberg both tied for 10. So then the next one is a table that combines the the first and second choice. And that has Bernie at the top with 45, but then second after that is Elizabeth Warren with 29, tied with Pete Buttigieg, then Joe Biden, then Michael Bloomberg. So I kind of wonder, like, they're not talking about a lot of these other metrics to the poll. Maybe they're just using the one... Mm-hmm that has Bloomberg in third just because they're trying to mix things up, make it look like he's one of the contenders, like justify putting him on the debate stage and all that. Yeah, I think the end game for Bloomberg here isn't necessarily to get the nomination, uh, but it's more to make the weaker candidates drop. And I think that a lot of this was possibly to target Bernie Sanders. Uh, I'm not 100% sure if that's still their goal with him surging like this. don't know if there's much they can do at this point besides, again, another Democratic suicide like they had in 2016. Right. Um, so it's it's interesting, but I think that was the original idea of Mike Bloomberg is because the Democratic debate stage didn't have enough of, uh, I don't know, what's the word I'm looking for, DNC shills who 100% would do exactly what the DNC wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were like, hey, Mike Bloomberg, why don't you come in and save this 2020 race? Wow. So, there's this other part that I think is interesting. So, question 11, it says, I'm going to list people who have said that they will run for president. For each one, please tell me whether the person is... Sorry, this is so small, it's hard to read. Tell me whether the person is someone you would A, be enthusiastic about, B, be comfortable with, C, have reservations about, or D be very comfortable with, uncomfortable with, um, blah, 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 blah. So it's got Donald Trump on here along with everybody else. And he has, he's doing, in the enthusiastic category, uh, he's got a 27. Then Bernie Sanders is behind that with a 16. Then Pete Buttigieg with 10. Warren with 9. Biden with 6. Bloomberg with 6. Klobuchar with 6. <laughs> But then you go over to the uh, the very uncomfortable section, and Trump and Bernie have very very similar numbers. Trump is uh, gets forty seven, saying that they're very uncomfortable. Bernie gets forty four. So definitely much more people saying that they're very uncomfortable rather than enthusiastic. Right. And uh, unfortunately, that's a trend for everybody. <laughs> Everybody feels more uncomfortable about the uh, the candidate than about they the are candidates. comfortable. Yeah, and I suppose with a wide, varied field like this, I could I could see that. And of course, a lot of these candidates on stage have a record of saying some things that are rather questionable. Right. Uh, and the, one of them, of course, is just a dirty old socialist who would ever feel comfortable with Mr. Sanders. Right. Well, and that's that's if if he gets the nomination, that's basically what it's going to be. It's going to be the socialist versus the racist. Right, and it seems like it's already getting prepped up to be that type of uh, of conflict, which is interesting. Is I think Bernie 
has probably a higher chance than anyone else on that stage to be able to defeat Trump as a Democrat. Um, right. I don't see Biden being able to do it. I mean, even with Hillary Clinton on, as a VP on the ticket, I, I don't see that ha- as happening. Right. Um, I'm not sure. It's it's hard to say. It, it keeps changing, and I don't know. It's very dynamic how it keeps fluctuating back and forth, I suppose, right. is, is what I'm getting at. Well, nobody really seems to have the the movement numbers that Bernie does. He's just got, like, a ridiculous amount of support. Yes, which a lot of people, you know, equate to Trump as well, the way that the rallies were very energetic. Bernie right. has similar rallies where they're very energetic. So it would be, you know, similar in the It'd sense of energy behind both parties. <laughs> um, that would be insane. That would be, like, end-of-the-world stuff. Trump versus Bernie, everybody's just going nuts. Fist fights in the streets, cats and dogs living together. <laughs> Mass hysteria. I'm getting ready for it. Start yeah. prepping, get your uh, food supplies. Right. Get your uh, Alex Jones uh, vitamins <laughs> and whatever else. And your, your uh, butt wipes and all that other stuff that he sells. Oh, man, and... Hong Kong, I was reading this article where a gang went and broke into a warehouse and stole hundreds of rolls of toilet paper. Hmm. And so apparently this has something to do with the outbreak going on out there is there's shortages of a lot of things on the shelf. Uh, and so I suppose their goal was to steal the toilet paper, mark it up and say, hey, everybody's got to do it. You know, right. 10 bucks a roll. Yeah. Whatever they're selling it for. And... Interesting what's going on out there. I haven't looked at the update on the numbers for uh, the fatality rate yet, but I will look that up real quick. And oh, yeah, I think it's like over 2,000. That's like they declared that it's it's more deadly than the flu now. Absolutely, and even more that's taking a hit is the economy. So I'll play a mm-hmm. quick little clip here about really what's happening with that. From toys and tech to clothes and cars, many American staples, of course, are still made in China. But the deadly coronavirus outbreak is causing a huge supply chain stutter. China is responsible for driving around a fifth of global economic growth. So the fact that we're seeing factories shut down, consumers staying at home and not able to spend money, that all means that we can expect to see the global economy also take a hit. Despite an ongoing trade war, China is still the United States' largest trading partner. But American businesses and consumers are now starting to see the coronavirus ripple effect. On Monday, Apple became the first major U.S. company to announce it won't meet its revenue projections for this financial quarter. China makes 80% of the world's smartphones and tablets, and iPhone production has fallen victim to the outbreak. Over 1 million Amazon sellers who depend on factory workers in China for their small business marketplaces are now facing serious inventory shortages as well. And apparel companies are bracing for a financial hit and significant delivery delays. Under Armour's CEO telling CNBC he's expecting a $60 million loss for the start of the year. And, you know, that's just the economy. And right. I was talking about last week, uh, the masks uh, that were in the warehouse, yeah. 15,000 of them. So it's something that we're still seeing uh, when it comes to the influx of product. You know, a lot of U.S. warehouses are just now starting to sell out of things that are still stuck in quarantined docks. Um, so I looked up that death toll here. It looks like it's surpassed 2,000 deaths and more than 75,000 people infected. And those are, of course, official counts. That doesn't include the people that were sent home because they did not test positive on the test strips. Mm. Um, Which uh, I actually pulled a clip on why that is so, and it was a decision basically to change the confirmation method where they choose who has the virus and who doesn't. So basically it was before where even if you had symptoms, if you didn't test positive, then you would basically get sent home and, and not get a hospital bed and not get treatment. Yeah. For the very latest, let me draw in correspondent Matthias Billinger, who's in Beijing. Matthias, what is the reason behind this spike in infections and fatalities in China? 
Uh, it is indeed a new reporting method. The local authorities have decided to include patients who show clear symptoms of the, the, a viral pneumonia, uh, but who are uh, not tested positively for the virus into the statistics. The reason is... And he goes on and talks about uh, basically how there's a shortage of supplies, there's no, not enough test strips, or also because if you're not um, testing positive on it, or uh, as I talked about last time too, is you could test positive one day, next day test negative, another day test positive. So the test was unreliable. And he basically goes on to describe this with uh, personal details from people that he had met and rather interesting uh, from I believe it was the DW it's a German uh, rebroadcast network and they've always got some some interesting takes out there in Europe yeah well a lot of times they know what's going on more than we do because their uh, their media isn't as biased and they're a lot closer too they're right there next door so it's a lot more important for them and in my opinion to have that spread of information for sure um, I was just reading about uh, the stimulus that they're going to have to do for the economy to uh, try and stave off all the co uh, coronavirus-related stock problems that are uh, just dominating the market right now. So they, uh, it's funny too because they're they're talking about um, you know they're going to have to like lower corporate taxes and all these things like introduce this stimulus, but then they're worried about the budget deficit and what it's going to create and it's just it's amazing that they're actually worried about those things right <laughs> and it just sort of we just run it through without any virus or any reason you know a great strong economy and just go ahead and lower but you know i digress yeah i mean when it comes to people making money i suppose that's the most important thing in a lot of people's eyes uh you know we're seeing these tanks in the market uh there's a lot of I'll say conspiracy theories of underreporting. Um, some of them seem very plausible. It's hard to say, and it would make sense that China would want to downplay the situation to conserve their market as much as possible. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. It's definitely going to have an impact on the uh, cruise ship industry. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. What was it? Uh, hundred almost people on that cruise ship that tested positive yeah you know? and how is it that all these cruise ships are just like petri dishes infected with a bunch of people i mean take a small amount of people confine them together swimming pools and yeah you know i mean nobody just stays in their cabin on a cruise ship That's and gross. pretty soon it spreads to the staff and then the staff are making food or what have you yeah Eesh. yeah you know it's interesting because they say that the virus can't spread unless somebody is actively coughing on something or makes it airborne um, by coughing or sneezing. Yeah. So how does it spread so fast then in situations where people don't, you know, have symptoms, but it still spreads, you know? Hmm. I don't know. So Maybe there's a cough and sneeze more often than you think. That's true. There's a lot of conflicting information out there, I think. Yeah. Well, now it's like, you know, I was reading part of a story where it's like, you know, when normally somebody would sneeze and they would say, bless you. Instead, somebody sneezes and it's like, are you okay? Oh, Do you wow. have a fever? Right. What's going on? Yeah, I'm looking on this uh, site I had pulled up. Apparently, it's 545 cases linked to the cruise ship. Wow. It's that's, not just one cruise ship, yeah, though, right? That's what it just says ship. Wow. One ship. And then seven new infections in Japan confirmed. Whew. Crazy. Here we go, 2020. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Obama. <laughs> All right. There you go. What else do we have? Oh, did we talk about uh, DNC uh, changing the rules to get Bloomberg on the debate stage? Oh, yeah. Did we talk about that last week? Uh, I don't know. I don't remember. Maybe we did. Yeah, that was that was fun. They did it just in time for him to be able to qualify for yeah. the debates. It's like, let's get rid of the individual donor rule, and let's just make it like 
you just have to qualify in some sort of poll and then uh, have enough money, you know, like raised or whatever in your campaign. Yeah, and I mean, he's outspending pretty much everybody, you know, spending well, in of course. anywhere you can spread the message, I suppose. And uh, some of the advertisements have been interesting. Um, some of them have been... Or, for example, uh, he did that one where he was... Uh, I think he was endorsing for big gay ice cream. And just <laughs> straight, plain face was the ice cream. Pulls it out. Takes a bite. Mmm. Big gay ice cream is the best. <laughs> so I like, didn't see that. Is, is he a robot? Is this Dick Cheney again? What's, oh, what's going on? <laughs> I wonder if I can pull it up. Yeah, I don't know, man. I uh, I really hope Bernie tears into him tonight. And uh, I'm sure Elizabeth Warren will, too. Like, they don't like dudes like him. And I'm sure Pete Buttigieg is going to go after him for some stuff that he said. And I don't know what Amy Klobuchar is going to do. Biden in second place, though. That's so weird. Yeah. I wouldn't have thought. Especially since he was failing so much before, so it's like... And, of course, uh, what was that mark? I really 4.75% margin of error. Yeah. So that could potentially drop Bernie from 27 down to 23, and then push Biden up from 15 to 19. Mm -hmm. Now, that could make it a much closer race with that margin of error. Right. Um, so it... It definitely still puts Bernie up in the lead, a lot more so than a lot of the others out there. And again, I think this was part of the Bloomberg situation. The Bloomberg plan was to push these weaker rising stars, specifically uh, Amy Klobuchar. And I think the plan was supposed to bring Bernie down as well. Um, mm -hmm. But it looks like instead it boosted his numbers and brought Pete down. Right. Which I think uh, was the opposite was the intention, was to bring Bernie down and boost Pete. I don't know if anything's going to bring Bernie down. Doesn't seem like it. He's uh, moving full force, full bore, that's for sure. Yeah. Considering, like, I mean, as soon as somebody wants to do a takedown of you, like, they're scouring through any video that they can possibly find to get, you know, like they did with Bloomberg. They found some really, really bad stuff. <laughs> right. Well, you but, found uh, that, uh, that big gay ice cream clip. Oh, yeah. Where's my ice cream? Ah, thank you. Mmm. Big gay ice cream is the best. Wow. <laughs> Certainly the best. Yeah. I don't know. As long as, uh... I like it when his, his ads are more of, like, a Trump takedown than anything else. Than, like, trying to talk about, oh, Bloomberg, he's so great. Right, and it seems like that's been the most of them, which, again, is what brought me to my idea that uh, he's not necessarily there to win the nomination. Right. Which is a pretty smart move on behalf of the DNC. If if he does win it, then, you know, whatever, they have their, their DNC guy in there. I mean, hell, people were saying the same thing about Trump in 2015. It was like, oh, he's not trying to, like, get the nomination or be the president. Like, it's just a publicity stunt. He's I, a reality TV he's, star. He's been he's, talking about it for a while. I, I kind of saw it coming. You know, this is something he's been planning for a very long time. You know, in the 80s when he started first releasing uh, kind of this political-esque idea of himself, started selling himself as a quasi-businessman politician. Right. And, you know, he did a stint run with, uh, was it Jesse Ventura as an independent? Uh, what year was that? Uh, 2000 with uh, the the whole Bush and Gore thing. He was at the uh, the Reform Party. That's right. Um, yeah, so it's something that I think has been on his agenda for a while, you know, meeting with politicians and stuff like that um, throughout his years, kind of branding his name on everything that he possibly could, whether right. it was a success or not. It was more about, will it get my name out there? Right. I didn't think that he was serious about a presidential run, and I figured that they were going to do to him what they're basically doing to Bernie. I was like, they're going to undercut him. There's no way, like, he doesn't have a chance. Right, and they would have had to change the rules uh, of their party, which, I mean, the DNC did it this year, so I, I don't see why, Yeah. you know. So I think that worked out in his favor is, 
he kind of played it by the rule book that they make, and so that's that's why he did so well. Yeah, I'm glad they got rid of that super delegate thing, though. Absolutely. And that's what uh, that's what gave Hillary the uh, the big edge over Bernie. Right, and uh, of course Bloomberg calling her out to be the potential VP nominee. Yeah. Which is I, interesting. Uh, Supposedly she responded to that. And she's all like, oh no, I'm just waiting and watching as this plays out. I will support whoever the nominee is. Yeah, right. <laughs> and of course, at the time she's doing that, she's in Puerto Rico, so she talks about Puerto Rico having the right to vote for president. And, <clears throat> excuse me, it's another thing that's interesting is, you know, Bloomberg was spending all this money in Puerto Rico, so it kind of makes me think, even if Trump... Um, wins the electoral college votes they're trying to have this landslide popular vote uh win again right to push probably the no electoral college uh agenda that it seems like they're trying to push i don't know if that's uh i think bernie's got the edge in puerto rico man cardi b's on his side it's true i mean no matter <laughs> who it is i'm sure the democrats will swing in the majority of the puerto rican vote mainly because trump is not spending any money on ads there he doesn't care right to spend ads there because it doesn't win him votes. Yeah, no, and he doesn't even think that it's part of the United States. These shithole countries. Right. Yeah, and then plus after, you know, the the corruption and stuff and the Puerto Rican government and misuse of hurricane funds and all oh, that, yeah. like it's all the more reason for him to just be like, okay. What's well, crazy? Turn my back. He did call that. Yeah, you know, everyone's all mad at Trump. Where's the the aid? He's like, well, look at the local government. Turns out, yeah, it was all in a warehouse, and it you know expired now. Right. But hey, people still drank it. People still needed it. Yeah, there was malfeasance on both sides for sure. Absolutely, and you know it kind of goes to play at any government. There's always going to be corruption at some level or another. Right. So what did old Hill Dog have to? She just said that. Yeah. Only if. Uh, if he gets the nomination or something? Or? Well, a little less than that, because I suppose um, whenever she was on the Ellen show, because she kind of asked him, like, oh, are you going to be VP pick? And she's like, oh, no, that's not going to happen. So I don't know if she's just downplaying it. could be possible that, you know, she doesn't want to take the heat, uh, so to say, in the news yet. She wants to wait until she can put that heat behind whoever the candidate is, possibly. Yeah, um, that losing heat. Right. <laughs> <laughs> she wants to give that kiss of death to some lucky nominee. Oh, yeah. Oh, man, Trump would have a heyday with that. Oh, yeah. It'd be like his dream ticket. Bloomberg, Clinton? Hell yes. Right. He would just pick that to pieces. Mini Mike and Crooked Hillary. <laughs> Mini Mike, I like it. Gotta have the alliteration. Yeah. You know, he's he's good with the uh with the titles, with the name calling there. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean that's kind of his thing too, is the identity politics behind it. For sure. It's like just trying to give red meat to his base. That's all. Oh, so I guess the Boy Scouts of America had to uh file for yeah. bankruptcy today. Yeah, the uh, so January and February are, are usually the the two months of the year that uh, it's good for people to do their their Chapter Eleven stuff. They wait until after you know, Christmas time and whatever. So right. like when companies do it, they'll try and get the last profits and then file. But uh, yeah, Boy Scouts, man, just losing too much money in uh, lawsuits from sexual misconduct yeah and i've got a, a clip on it that kind of the news touches on a little bit well tonight boy scouts of america has filed for bankruptcy why are they filing and what does this mean for local chapters all across the country our paula Ferris here to break it all down so i guess first of all yeah why are they filing 
bankruptcy. Well, these sex abuse lawsuits were just piling up, but make no bones about it. The Boy Scouts of America aren't skirting their responsibility. They released a statement, Kara, and they say that they have a moral responsibility to compensate these victims. Uh, according to court documents, as recently as January of this year, over 12,000 victims have come forward claiming some form of molestation or abuse the hands of a leader within the organization or um, their scout leader and over 8,000 abusers have been implicated. But the Boy Scouts have said all along, if you were abused, we want you to come forward and we want you to file a claim. I remember when this story first broke. So sad. And it's been years now. Mm -hmm. Is that what's adding to the complexity of this bankruptcy? Yeah, this is believed to be one of the most complex bankruptcies, maybe in history. It's complex, it's layered. There are so many, just think about it, there are so many lawyers so many lawsuits, so many victims that are named in this. And also in bankruptcy court, their assets were valued between $1 billion and $10 billion. That is a huge disparity. That's a huge range. Some victims are upset that the local chapters, uh, the assets for the local chapters were not um, involved in this as well. And that, that would have added to the number uh, in terms of the monetary value. Um, but there's a chance that they have to sell their property value. You're talking about campgrounds and hiking trails. America just to pay pay the victims. I can't tell you how excited is how excited my son is about yeah. Boy Scouts. So I'm thinking about just the local chapter in our neighborhood. What will happen to the to the, the local chapters? The local chapters, the programs will go on, and that was um, a source of contention for some of the victims because the local chapters are, for all intents and purposes, they are independent. They are separate entities, separate from the Boy Scouts of America organization. And the Boy Scouts now claim, though, that they have one of the most stringent, safest and strictest policies among all youth organizations, but it's sad here that it's had to take all these tragedies to lead to that. Because it's been such an institution for it so has. long. It has. Paula Ferris, thanks. Thank you, Kira. Hi, everyone. George and, yeah, so they're talking about 8,000 uh, abusers. That would be, you know, even more possible victims. So it's right. pretty crazy. That is pretty crazy. I was a Boy Scout briefly. Yeah, I was a Boy Scout as well. Thankfully, nothing nothing like that. No. I was also an altar boy. <laughs> <laughs> nothing like that? No. And uh, I can't really say ever that I was an altar boy without people immediately thinking of that. But, you know, the Catholic Church doesn't, like, pay taxes or anything like that. They've got this obscene amount of money that they can pull from. And well, Boy Scouts of America cases. is a non-profit as well. Right. Yeah, mm. so... It's just a, a pretty crazy situation, and of course, any time that you're in that situation where you're looking for people to be mentors over young boys, of course, it's a right. you know creeping ground, so to say, of potential abusers, and it, it's a very unfortunate situation. Yeah, absolutely, and it's it's I don't know, I can. Uh... I can see why people are, are really upset over this and why it's so shocking. But, you know, it's sort of like I immediately think of uh, that sketch with Alec Baldwin on SNL with uh, uh, Adam Sandler, the canteen mm -hmm. boy, where they're out in the, uh, in the wilderness and, uh, yeah, <laughs> hilarity ensues. Alec canteen Baldwin taking boy. his shirt off and trying to seduce Adam Sandler. It's uh, it's it's pretty ridiculous. I'll have to pull that one up sometime. Yeah. You know, I feel bad for the victims, but I certainly don't feel bad for the abusers. You know, especially with all this Harvey Weinstein. No, they need to pay out. Oh, absolutely. And uh, supposedly, um, in the clip uh, later on, as the two news heads are discussing their takedowns of it, one of them briefly mentions that um, they're not trying to skirt uh, paying these lawsuits. Supposedly. But they're more doing it as a way to um, kind of expand their ability to help the victims. Right. Um, so it's interesting. Uh, I guess they were, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Their assets were valued for between 8 and 80 million, or sorry, billion dollars. Right. And so it's like, <laughs> that's yeah, a, which is it? That's a huge spread of numbers there. So, you know, they were talking about possibly having to um, sell off um, parks or areas, which, you know, up here we have an awesome Boy Scout camp up here. Right. It's huge. It's more than, I want to say, 200 something acres. I think so, yeah. Camp yeah. Emerson. Yeah. 
Um, and so it would be an unfortunate loss to our community up here to, to lose something like that, too. But they did say that the local chapters, like, they, it's sort of business as usual with them, that they're unaffected if they're not associated with, like, the national whatever. It's sort of like right. a franchise so, thing, almost. So, yeah, uh, I wonder if local branches, uh, how many of them own these campgrounds, right. or how many of these campgrounds are owned, you know, nationally by the the nationwide branch or however the umbrella is done yeah yeah because if camp emerson went up for sale somebody would pounce on that for sure and turn it into something else that'd be a huge loss even if it's just a four pay campground you know right and all because people just can't can't do the right thing man keep your hands off people quit getting handsy i'll play uh this uh, intro to what's happened with Harvey Weinstein earlier in, let's see, it was uh, yesterday and the day before, and then, of course, um, the jury still, so far, has not came up with a verdict on, on what they're doing. Right. Let's play this real quick. Harvey Weinstein arrived at court this morning knowing his fate now lies in the hands of the seven men and five women of the jury. If they find him guilty on charges of rape and predatory sexual assault, he could be sent to prison for the rest of his life. But the verdict in this trial, watched by the world, will have far-reaching reverberations, not least for all those spurred by the Me Too movement, now seeking justice. We're looking forward to a just result. We'll see what the jury thinks. Even though dozens of women have accused him, this trial centers on just two. Production assistant Mimi Hale claims he sexually assaulted her at his apartment in 2006. And former actress Jessica Mann told the court he raped her at a hotel in 2013. The prosecution say Harvey Weinstein used his status in Hollywood to prey on women he treated like ants that he could step on. But his defence argued the women used him to advance their careers, revealing affectionate messages they sent him after the alleged assaults. Inside the courtroom, I thought Harvey Weinstein looked in better physical shape than he did at the start of his trial. Still pale, still on that Zimmer frame, but perhaps he's grown more confident. Yet the tensions were still at boiling point as his defence attorney was accused of trying to tamper with the jury after writing a magazine article imploring the members of the jury to do what they know is right. The judge reprimanded the defence, but the power now lies with those 12 men and women. This former New York prosecutor says it's a difficult case to prove. To convince smart, intelligent jurors, which I think they are, that this was proven beyond a reasonable doubt. Um, You know, it doesn't matter that these victims went back to him afterwards. It doesn't matter that they didn't tell anyone about it for years. It doesn't matter that they got professional benefit from it. It doesn't matter that they texted him, um, you know, I love you afterwards. Bobby, how are you feeling? Good. But whatever the verdict here, it's not over for Harvey Weinstein. Another rape trial looms in Los Angeles. Rebecca Barry, News at 10, New York. Well, they're certainly laying it heavy on him. Yeah. And, uh, you know, as he was saying, uh, that he thinks they're smart jurors. He thinks that they'll make the right decision, uh, regardless of how good the defense attorneys may try to make him look, you know. Right. Like he, he didn't do whatever if he did do. You know, we won't know until... Jurors make their well. He didn't. He didn't testify at all. So it was. They made it less about he himself, and they're more going after the people that are making the accusations. Like the like the guy was just saying. Like you know, oh, they texted him afterwards. Like if he did this horrible thing, then why would they you know right. send him a nice text and all well, this other stuff? Like really just picking apart the people that are making the the accusation really absolutely and you know that that's a unfortunate kind of part of the situation is um if it's a manipulation where you feel like you're forced into that if if you want to you know be able to accomplish anything you know it's like you're you're literally forced into it right um and your mind kind of you know uh, you know what i'm, what I'm getting at um yeah so i'm reading one of the testimonies here and so 
basically, uh, her name is Man. Uh, she was testifying that Weinstein would say things like, do you like my big fat Jewish dick? <laughs> or, you know, apparently at one point he was fully naked and she said that she thought he was deformed because of this extreme scarring or he didn't have any testicles. Wow. And so while well, she's saying this in her testimony, uh, Weinstein puts his head down quickly and shakes his head in his hands. Mm. You know, so it's like kind of a, an interesting aspect of what's going on in the courtroom at the same time as, you know, not only what the defense is saying, but his reaction in the courtroom to what, you know, the prosecution is saying. Well, I'm surprised the they didn't make him, tale. like, you know, if, if she has descriptions of what he looks like naked and stuff, like, I'm surprised that they don't use that because didn't, like, like, they had to, like, with the Michael Jackson allegations, they, like, photographed his junk and all that stuff, right. like, so they could, yeah, it was it was all, and I think they did that to Bill Clinton, too. Interesting. Like, things about his genitalia, specific things, and then he had to get, in, like, examined by a doctor or whatever, like, I'm surprised if, if she's claiming that Harvey ain't got no balls, I'm pretty That'd sure be a pretty if, obvious telltale. Yeah, like... If it was me, I would just stand up in court and whip my balls out and be like, ha! Ah! <laughs> but, you know, then that's that's contempt, and I wouldn't yeah. be able to use my walker to get out of there. <laughs> that's got that's got to tell the jury so much. Oh, absolutely. You know what I mean? And, you know, there's, there's a lot of stories like this, and, you know, it's not just this one. Um particular testimony it's it's all of them and you know, they were right. saying in the article no like they were saying he's he's got other trials yeah, other places exactly and coming up in LA it's not going to be over and i guess uh, his team had some interesting uh closing arguments i've got a little clip of that from uh who's this variety yeah. Closing arguments in the Harvey Weinstein rape trial kicked off with Weinstein's defense team speaking to the jurors first. I'm Elizabeth Wagmeister outside of the New York City criminal courthouse. Weinstein's lead attorney, Donna Rotuno, spoke to the jury presenting her main argument, which is that women need to take responsibility for their actions and that the women accusing Weinstein were actually in it for their own benefit. Rotuno said that the prosecutors in this case are acting as the producers, making up a script in which women do not have to take any responsibility. Rotuno said, in their universe, women are not responsible for the parties they attend, the men they flirt with, the hotel room invitations, the plane tickets they expect, the jobs they hope to obtain. Rotuno said in this script, the powerful man is the villain and he is so unattractive and large that no woman would want to sleep with him. At one point during her closing arguments, Rotuno brought up the fact that none of the women have gotten tested for an STD after they alleged they were raped. She told the jurors, I understand not going to the police. I can understand not telling your friends, but none of these women got tested. Rotuno went through both Jessica Mann and Miriam Haley's testimonies in meticulous detail, pointing out email evidence and other things that were said on the stand that she says prove that Harvey Weinstein is not guilty. At one point, Rotuno actually referred to Miriam Haley's attorney, Gloria Allred, who was sitting in the front row, and she said that Miriam Haley wants to get money out of Weinstein, and that's why she's up here, not because she was actually sexually abused. She and of course, that's basically their whole argument, is that all these women were doing it to improve their own situation on their own free will via their own consent. And that's the argument that his defense is, is trying to push. That's pretty harsh. Yeah. And I can see why uh, the lead uh, lawyer for Harvey is that lady. Because uh, i got to put some sort of good face on it, you know? Right. But So I actually, um, a couple years ago, when this was starting to go down, at least it feels like it was a couple years ago, maybe it was just last year. No? Anyway. Um... I was at the uh, Rainbow in West Hollywood, and uh, I was talking with one of the security guards. Uh, we had a gig there that night, and he had a, a chauvinistic, albeit almost altruistic, uh, sort of uh, opinion of it, and he was talking about um, 
you know, the girls that he sees every single day that come into L.A., and that's exactly what they're like, okay, who do I got to sleep with? Who do I got to do this? Like, they're, they're just there to make it. They're there to, you know, have a career and, like, all this other stuff, and they don't care what it takes. Like, he's like, it's the oldest Hollywood story that there is, you know? He's like, this is... The town is totally known for this. Everybody knows that this happens. Like, so now... Now people are just trying to get, like, a different career. Like, he had a he had an interesting take on it. Like, I don't know how much I agree with that. I mean, obviously right. that's a reality, but I don't uh, think that that's... It definitely is a reality. I, I don't know if that's the situation here. I think that that allows predators <laughs> to act in an extra predatory way. Because yes. they know that that's the currency that's exchanged in that town. And people like Harvey Weinstein, like his own lawyer, that's also harsh. His own lawyers, like he's so, so large and unattractive that no <laughs> woman would want to sleep with him. Like she stood up in court in front of her client and said that shit about him. That's pretty, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, desperate times call for desperate measures, I right. suppose. But a dude like that, you know, can be like, yeah, check it out. I'm Harvey frickin' Weinstein. We're going to do this. I don't have balls, but so what? You're going to deal with it because I got the money. (sighs) Yeah, I don't. uh, I I really hope that he gets convicted. I really do. Because his whole thing, there was no secret about it at all. I'm sure no matter how good his defense attorneys may be, there's enough cases that I'm sure that there will be one where there's ample evidence for the jury to... Decide. It's going to uh, be harder and harder to find a quote-unquote impartial jury. Like, yes. how does somebody not know about the Harvey Weinstein thing? Right. But even, let's see if you can find it. Uh, there's uh, Courtney Love, years and years ago, said something about Harvey Weinstein. Like, Oh, yes, I remember this. Oh, don't go to one of Harvey's parties. Not unless blah, 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 something like that. women worldwide have come forward to accuse producer Harvey Weinstein of sexual misconduct. Actress, director Asia Argento and two Italian models say they were sexually assaulted by Weinstein. British actress Lisette Anthony told police last week that Weinstein attacked her in her London home in the 80s. Courtney Love has also spoken out. A video of a rock star, of the rock star rather, in 2005 came out showing the star warning young women in Hollywood about the movie Titan. Okay, so the direct quote, because it's kind of hard to hear, she says, if Harvey Weinstein invites you to a private party, Basically, don't go. Yeah. So, definitely seems like she's uh, speaking from experience, though. And there is a tweet from her, however, that says, Although I was not one of his victims, I was eternally banned by CAA for speaking out against Harvey Weinstein. Hashtag Harvey Weinstein. Hashtag rape. Yeah, the, the dude's absolutely a predator. And that was, what, 2005 when yes. she... Yep. Yeah. 2005. So I wonder if he was the producer for um, People vs. Larry Flint. Maybe. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's one of those things. Like, even with uh, with Bill Cosby, all that stuff, it, oh, yeah. it had been going around for years. Like, Oh, man. There's also that great Bill Cosby... Uh, Quotes, if I can find that one. I love your neck, honey. <laughs> well, uh, it certainly is nice to see them work things out for themselves. They haven't worked anything out for themselves. It's my barbecue sauce. <laughs> your barbecue sauce. My barbecue sauce. Haven't you ever noticed after people have some of my barbecue sauce, after a while when it kicks in, they get all huggy-buggy? <laughs> Oh, stop. I'm dead serious. <laughs> Haven't you ever noticed that after one of my barbecues and they have the sauce, people want to get right home? <laughs> Let me tell you something else. I got a cup of it up on the night table. And <laughs> I got a cup of it, I said. 
left it up there breathing. Why don't you give the chicken to these people that's going up and have some sauce? So here's the rest of the chicken, you guys. And so at the end, you know, the youngest boy is, oh, I sure love this chicken. And of course, Cosby comes running over and takes the chicken from him, starts wiping his face off. Just the boy's yeah. face. Yeah. Well, because he's sitting next to little Rudy, his, his youngest. Ain't no little boy going to make moves on Rudy. Yeah, that's uh, that's definitely creepy. My barbecue sauce. My barbecue You notice sauce. everybody gets all lovey after they try my sauce. Oh, dear. Man. Yeah, it's, it's certainly uh, creepy, and it's out there in, in plain sight a lot of times. And the fact that everyone's, oh, it's a conspiracy theory, and then all of a sudden it's not. It's right. like... Only go to thing is like, why now? Why did it take so long? You're just trying to get publicity. You're trying to do this. You're trying to do that. And it's like, I don't know. And I'm, I know that there's been a small percentage of people that have made like false, you know, Me Too or whatever claims against people. Of course, it happens with any trend. Right. But like, that's such a small percentage compared to the people that like, finally felt like they could say something about it. You Absolutely. Know? So it's like, uh, I don't know. It's it's sad to see what levels they stoop to to go after these people and try and discredit them. And it's like, I don't even know, like, how does, how does Harvey Weinstein's lawyer do that? You know what I mean? Like, she's in it for a payday herself. Right. That's why she's trying to, like, basically sell out women. What, you really want this court case? To go in favor of him and these women, like, walk. Like, big victory for women there, lady, you know? Yeah. And at that point, you know, a lot of people who are making these false claims, uh, most of them are doing it to empower themselves and not, you know, anything else. You know, like a person right. like, oh, I could be uh, get my 30 seconds of um, fame by doing a false, you know, uh, accusation against somebody. It just seems like a stupid thing to to do, though. Like, Oh, d it definitely is, you know? And the people who are doing it, like you said, it's a very small minority of people, very small fraction of right. percentage of people who, who use the hashtag. Like, why um, would you put yourself through that and lie and get on the stand and perjure right. yourself and all of that just to, what, get in the headlines? And then what? Like, what's your, what's your career move after that? Right. Like... Talk to your agent. <laughs> Come up with something better than a false rape allegation. It's not going to help. Like, who who in the history of anything, like, oh, you remember her? She got famous from that rape allegation, and then she turned it into, like, a singing career or something. Right. Like, no. No. It doesn't happen. That would be unprecedented. <laughs> a little callback there. Well, is there anything else you want to talk about? Uh, I heard that uh, Sonic the Hedgehog did really well over the weekend. Oh, yeah. Supposedly after they had redone everything on it. and Yeah, because uh, of his teeth. Oh, it was a little more than just the teeth, I believe. But yeah. I don't know. That's that's all I heard about. Did I didn't really the, understand it. There's two different trailers. The first one they released, you know, you could see it looks nothing like the Sonic that everybody knows. And so fans, in a rage, were like, what is this abomination? And so they completely redesigned the graphics of the entire movie. So, of course, because they listened, fans had to come out in mass and, and actually watch it. Um, I haven't been out yet. I do want to catch it. It looks interesting. looks good. Um, I'm hopeful. We'll see. Well, I think the, the biggest part for me that made me interested was, uh, you know, Jim Carrey as the antagonist. Right, because he had said before, when, back when he did uh, Kick-Ass, that he wasn't going to do any movies um, where there's guns or anything like that anymore. He right. wouldn't do it again. 
Yeah. And while this is a little bit different, you know, um, I still see it as the protagonist with guns. Right. But, you know, it's uh, Jim Carrey's going to get the numbers for sure. And who's the voice of Sonic? Oh, I'm not sure. That's somebody. It is somebody. But, yeah, I mean, Jim Carrey's the, uh, he's the guy. He's the draw. Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen much besides outside of the trailers. I haven't seen anyone posting about it on social media yet, so... He's been doing the rounds on the the late-night talk shows and all that stuff and making appearances. He was on Ellen. He was, he's been all over the place. Yeah, I did see he was doing uh, his rounds with the regular interviewers. Yeah. Got to promote. Yeah, for sure. And a lot of times they would just dedicate the entire thing to him. No other guests, just like well, talking to Jim Carrey the whole that. time. Yeah. That's like his thing is just... Being able to go. He keeps going. Right. Yeah, I watched uh, the vast majority of them. Plus, he's been getting really political and stuff lately. Yes, yeah. He uh, did his whole woke movement there for a while where he grew yeah. his beard out. and was all anti-everything. Right. And he's always been, you know, his uh, his choice in movies has always been pretty interesting. It's always had some sort of, like statement of some kind, you know? Right. Some sort of social commentary. Truman Show, especially. Yeah, Truman Show was really good. Uh, I mean, he's in a, a lot of great ones. But yeah, strong uh, strong opening weekend for Sonic the Hedgehog, which is really surprising, because I thought after the the whole debacle with the graphics that oh, yeah. it wasn't going to wasn't going to do very well. And IMDb has it at 6.9 out of 10. Hmm. Interesting. Well, it was apparently it was the biggest opening for any uh, video game movie. Really? Yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah. So, I'll, I'll end up watching it, I'm sure. Yeah. Well, you got kids and shit. <laughs> right. You can get away with it. Have to get away with it. Gotta have some kind of excuse. Otherwise, I'm just a nerd! Nerd. Uh, I'd watch it just for, again, Jim Carrey alone. I celebrate his entire catalog. <laughs> it's good stuff. Even, uh, what was that weird one? Number 27. Uh, that was a good one. <laughs> I liked it. It was It was okay. It was a little out there, you know. But, uh, yeah, the guy's a legend. You know who else uh, is a legend? Is all of our sponsors. And with that, we'll thank our sponsors. Of course, a big shout-out to the Fireside Inn. We're here in the Fireside Inn studios right now. Uh, so shout-out to them. Shout-out to the Idlewild Songwriters Festival. And, of course, shout-out to Pearl Car Services. Uh, all awesome sponsors helping out the Radio Idlewild cause and what we do here. If you guys are interested in sponsoring, of course, you can go to radioidlewild.org slash sponsor. Um, of course, go to RadioIdawa.org anytime, listen to the live stream, all kinds of local musicians on there all the time, uh, original shows, and all kinds of good stuff coming at you guys. Oh, yeah. Everybody, have a great day. Uh, we will catch you next week. I'm sure we'll be talking about tonight's debates. We'll be talking about the uh, Nevada uh, Democratic primaries on Saturday. So uh, we'll be right back at you. Same bad time, same bad channel. And that's, of course, Wednesdays at 9 a.m. Hey, Governor, you want highway money? You better support me or you're not going to get it because I am the president. I can do anything I want. I'm the president of the United States. I have all of the power. Word vomit!